How you doing, Elliot? Yeah, very well indeed. Well, this is a fast-moving sort of story, but uh, your understanding is that we're going to actually see Roger Tuivasa-Shek potentially play Union before the year is out. Yeah, that's certainly sounding that way. Uh, it sounds like the, the Blues deal is going to be completed by the end of the week. A few minor details to sort out there. And then, yeah, it sounds like he's eyeing his first stint back in rugby union with Auckland, which would be, I think, uh, the Mighty 10 Cup runs from September to late November. Uh, and, you know, I guess, you know, it is a short window, you know, two-year deal to try and, you know, crack that All Blacks World Cup squad. So I think he's pretty keen to come back and get involved. And, you know, I guess the alternative was playing the uh, Rugby League World Cup for the Kiwis, a bit of a swan song there. But, you know, with that tournament being in England, uh, it's a bit doubtful. And, you know, that would be more time away from family. And then he's got to come back in quarantine. And then he'd start the Super Rugby season next year pretty cold. So I guess, you know, if he's trying to give himself the best possible chance of, of being up to speed and to, to come to grips with the rugby union again. It sounds like he does have this all planned out. Uh, it's not just a spur-of-the-moment decision to switch codes. He's, he's laid out this pretty effectively. Uh, I, I know he's managed by Bruce Sherrick, who has clients across both codes. Having someone like him as a manager is probably going to make this process a bit easier in terms of laying out a, a, pl- a path to getting to, to where he wants to be in rugby union. Yeah, and I also think Roger's a very astute person and, and very professional and dedicated in, in what he has achieved in his career already. You know, he's, he's won a premiership with the Roosters. He's been Delhi in fullback um, a couple of times and, and he's one of the best players in the NRL. So, you know, for a guy that's been at the the peak of his, his game in rugby league, he doesn't want to, you know, nobody, no elite sports person wants to fail. So I guess he's trying to give himself, you know, the best possible chance and, and I guess learn from others who have, who have succeeded or failed uh, before. So, yeah, I guess Bruce has probably given him some advice there and and, uh, and that all helps, doesn't it? And I think, you know, coming into to provincial rugby is probably, you know, a good stepping stone mm. and I guess it's going to be interesting, you know, it'll be all eyes on uh, what a boost for the provincial season if he does indeed pull on the blue and white hoops. Yeah, big eye, be plenty of eyes on, on that as the season goes on. Uh, you mentioned that he's likely to sign a two-year deal with the Blues. There has been interest from other franchises, but it always seemed like the Blues, or seems like the Blues are the number one option in his eyes. Yeah, I think uh, the Highlanders and, and the Chiefs were, were interested, and, and I think you know the Hurricanes were as well, but the reality is that uh, you know Rogers' family's in Auckland, and you know he grew up here, and and it's a nat- nice natural fit. You know, if you think of what he's been through in the past uh, year to 18 months and, and, and is going through now along with the, the other Warriors players being away from home for such extended periods, you know, there'll be a real attraction with um, living back in Auckland and, and being based here and the guarantees that, um, I guess, New Zealand rugby can offer with Super Rugby Aotearoa. So, so it's a it's a nice natural fit, and then um, you know the Blues also backed by some pretty wealthy uh, sponsors and, and investors, and and so I think you know Barford and Thompson it sounds like are going to come to the party from a, a third party arrangement and, and potentially top up his salary there. So, uh, it's a similar thing that's happened in the past with Bowden Barrett, uh, Jerome Kaino, Benji Marshall, all these sort of um, you know big name players with the Blues and Ben Smith. And Aaron Smith, I think, at the Highlanders and 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 others at other franchises. So it's it's common practice, and and um, you know that's what happens with the big name players. But it certainly helps to be in a big market mm. and have have big players because uh, these uh, elite sportsmen and women don't come cheap. People have asked me that over the weekend, or who's going to pay for it? Because well, one one, I don't think there's any way he's getting the same amount of money in terms of base deal from from NZR and, and the Blues and stuff that he would be at. at 
the NRL and the Warriors because it just simply the, the numbers won't work for them. But what he can do, as you touched on there, is get those third-party agreements, which in the NRL have to form part of the salary cap by and large. So he's able to increase his earning power that way, even if he necessarily can't match what he does get in, uh, at the Warriors at the moment. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, every, you know... Um we're talking, you know, decent sized sums. I think Bowden Barrett, my understanding is he was he is getting uh around two hundred K to two hundred and fifty K per year, even while he's in Japan this year, which, you know, is quite a nice kickback, isn't it? Mm. Uh from third party arrangements alone. But but you're right, you know, it's not until Roger, you know, plays for the All Blacks that he's gonna get into that top tier bracket of, of, of earning potential. But, you know, you can substitute it with um, sponsors and third-party deals and, and other arrangements um, that no doubt, you know, his, his manager and everyone else is stitching together for him. So uh, I think you're right that initially, you know, I think he was on 1.17 with, with the Warriors, which is a healthy wicket, mm. isn't it? It'd be nice. Um, so I don't think... He'll be walking into that salary, but in time, I think he, he could get up there. And then, you know, depending on how things go here, there's also the option down the line of, of going to France and, and mm. making truckloads of cash. So, you know, that's that's what is um, is on offer in, in the, I, I guess, more global sport like rugby union. Liam Napier with us from the New Zealand Hill. Rugby rice sounds like uh, that Roger Tuivasa-Sheik might play a bit of Mitre 10 Cup this year for Auckland. Do you think he's given enough himself enough time in terms of a World Cup cycle? Because that's the stated goal is playing at the World Cup. He's going to come in halfway through a rugby World Cup cycle. Is that enough time to, to force his way into Ian Foster's plans and make himself part of that 31-man squad? Yeah, it's a big question, isn't it? Uh, it is a tight time frame, two, two years. You know, when you've got, when you look at the, the All Blacks outside backs in particular, Rogers a fullback in league. So that's, I guess, where you'd initially think he would slot in. You know, just stack with talent. You know, uh, the Barrett brothers, Caleb Clark, um, just unreal. Will, mm. Will Jordan. You know, the list goes on. David Havili knocking on the door, and, and various others. So, it's um, it's a real challenge. But Roger is in that really, really elite bracket, and I guess it's going to be up to him to to make that transition. I think if you look at someone like Nani Laumapi, who played rugby through high school and then went to the Warriors and then came back to Rugby Union. He made a reasonably seamless transition. Like his first year, he didn't set the world on fire, mm. play for one or two in the Hurricanes, but come his second year, he was really starting to crack it. So I think Roger could make a similar transition to Nani, and um, I guess it's just now what position he fits in, how much game time he gets. I don't think you're going to have any questions in terms of his fitness and his dedication. I think he's a, a real professional sort of in the Sonny Bill Williams bracket where, you know, he leads by example and other people will follow him in that regard. So, um, you know, there are, you know, for all their similarities, they are very different games and, you know, it's going to come down to what position he plays and how he comes to grips with that, what sort of coaching he gets. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to see, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. And what are you hearing about position-wise? Because, you know, we've heard fullback, we've heard wing. Um, you've done a piece for a year or so back for the Herald about the, the falling, um, you know, the age of the New Zealand All Blacks wingers. Uh, by 27, they seem to be discarded on a pile. Well, he's going to be, what, 28, 29 by the time he turns out. Whereabouts do you see him slotting in on the midfield? Yeah, well, I think... Personally, I think the easiest transition to make would be on the wing because you've got a number of guys around you. Well, there's just like, I think there's there's less to worry about, you know, on the wing. You, 
You don't have to be the voice from the back from fullback. You don't necessarily have to have that same kicking game or, or quite the same uh, positional, you know, um, challenges. Mm. Um, you can slot in and sort of ease your way in from there. So if I was bringing him over, I would I would start him on the wing and then then you could move him to fullback potentially or or the midfield. But it does sound like that the All Blacks privately would ideally like to see him develop into a midfielder, and I think that's predominantly because uh, as we touched on before, just the depth in the outside backs and there's not really that many established midfielders you mm-hmm. know if, if someone like Anton Leonard Brown went down someone who can who can switch between centre and second five you know uh, it's not an endless talent mm. pool there so uh, look Roger could be a guy that could move between outside backs and midfield but uh, you know for ease of transition you'd hope that he would come over and, and focus on on one position I think that would that would be easy I think I would also say that centre is probably one of the toughest positions in rugby particularly mm-hmm. from a defensive point of view you've got so much space outside you you need to have a strong voice you've got to be a, a great distributor off both hands um, you know there's so much coming at you at fast pace so yeah, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see where he slots in. But you, your point about the outside backs and the age is very relevant as well. You know, you don't see many older aging outside backs from a pace point of view. And, and, and that's when the decline does tend to happen at the age that he's coming over. So maybe that's a factor in, in why the All Blacks want to see him, you know, come over and play a bit of midfield. Fascinating times. It's gone pretty quickly from Thursday evening being a rumoured piece or a suggested piece to being fully in action this week. Liam Napier, thanks for your time, mate. Anytime.